Okay, so we are making our way through the life of Abraham according to and through the lens of God's economics and God's provision for mankind. Now, God had made some promises to Abram, leave your country, go to a place where I'll show you when you get there. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I'll make you into a nation. Even though your wife is barren, no problem. I'm going to give you many descendants that outnumber the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. And and just believe me, and I will bless you, and then you will be a blessing to the rest of the world. It's going to be great. And up to this point, so in between where we left off in the last class and where we're going to start here, God entered into a formal covenant with Abraham. Now, this was after years of demonstrated obedience and faithfulness on Abram's part. And sometimes I like to think, now this is not in the Bible, this is just a a reflection on my part, but I wonder sometimes if there might be other people out there besides Abram that God said, hey, why don't you follow me? And, you know, I'll lead you to a land and I'll, I'll bless you and make you a blessing. But either they didn't believe God or they didn't pass the test of time. After things didn't seem to be going their way fast enough, the way that they thought, whatever, If they just dropped out and became like every other pagan and started worshiping the gods of this world and stopped believing in God and just thought, oh, I'm just hearing voices. Maybe I need to check into some mental institution. You know, know, I'm not saying that's not in the Bible. Don't get me wrong. But I'm, I'm using a contrasting example to really highlight the faithfulness of Abram and how he had remained faithful through years years of it not looking like what God had told him was going to happen. So here we start. We're up to about 10 years, 10 years into this journey with the Lord. Abram takes matters into his own hands. Now, this is where we talked about when Abram came up out of Egypt, what did he have? He had lots of livestock and many servants. One of those servants, her name was Hagar or Hagar, however you want to say that. She had been a slave in Egypt. She was given to Abram and Sarah as a gift. She was given as a servant to serve as a maidservant to Sarah, Abram's wife. Well, about 10 years in to it not looking like God was going to come through on his promises, Sarah had this great idea for how she was going to create this plan for how to provide what God said he was going to provide. Like, hey, we're doing God's will, right? Like, we can make God's will come to pass. Let's do it this way. And so her plan was that Abram would sleep with Hagar, and because Hagar was Sarah's maid, the the child would technically, in that culture, be Sarah's child. It's like a, a surrogate mother, you know, a carrying mother, but the child is ultimately Sarah's because Hagar is just an owned human being, an an owned person who belongs to Sarah. So the child would belong to Sarah. 
Well, this was that plan. That was about 10 years in, and it created Ishmael. But that was not God's plan. And even when Abram entered, er, sorry, God entered into a formal covenant with Abram, Abram was very sad, and he said he knew that this promised son was coming. He knew that the son of promise, his name was going to be Isaac. He knew that the son was going to come through Sarah. This is all in Genesis 17, God's cutting covenant. He's giving the covenant the seal of uh, circumcision. And Abraham is a a little distressed because he loves Ishmael and he's raised Ishmael as a member of his household. And he says, oh, that Ishmael might walk before you. And God said, no, no, I'll bless Ishmael because he's yours. You know, he's your mistake, but he's yours. So I'll bless him because of you because you're with me. But no, The covenant passes to Isaac, the son of the promise. Let there be no confusion about that, okay? So God is now in covenant with Abram, and the covenant includes God says to Abram, walk before me and be blameless. God is saying, Abram, do things my way. Do what is right and just in my sight. Don't do what is good and evil in your sight. Do what is good in my sight. Walk before me and be blameless. God also shows Abram. In Genesis 18, he shows him Sodom and Gomorrah. He gives Abram a picture of the judgment of the whole world. This is a foreshadowing of what is yet to come. And there's a wonderful scene there where God and Abram have a conversation about uh, destroying the wicked and the righteous together, and Abram intercedes, and it's a wonderful passage. We're not talking about that right now, but Abram had a picture of the coming judgment of the world, not by water, because God had already promised after the flood in the days of Noah that he would never judge the world again by water. He would never curse all of creation again in that way. But there is a judgment coming against wickedness and evil, and that will be by fire. And Sodom and Gomorrah, Abram watched it happen from a distant hill. He saw sulfur falling from the sky, fire and brimstone falling from the sky. He saw the judgment of God upon Sodom from a distance. So Abram knows what God is really all about. Abram knows what is yet to come for an unredeemed humanity. And he has a son after this. God is faithful to fulfill his promise. Isaac is born according to the promise of God. God miraculously opens Sarah's womb. She was already barren for her entire life. And at this point, she is past the age of menstruation. She's 90 years old. Abram is 99 years old. I mean, that's an act of faith right there just to go through the process of conceiving a child at that age. You know, glory to God and go Abraham. But anyway, so they have this child through Sarah. Isaac is born. And eventually Ishmael, who was the child of the flesh through Hagar, the slave girl who came out of Egypt, Ishmael had to be sent away because the son of the flesh persecuted the son of the promise. And that's in Genesis 21. It's also articulated by the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians. All right, so now we're we're walking through, we've got God, we've got Abram, we've got the 
the son of the promise, who is Isaac. Now, Abram knows every promise of God. He's getting older, man. You know, every promise of God is wrapped up in Isaac. Every promise, everything that God had promised to do for Abraham was completely bound up in Isaac. So imagine you who have children out there, how precious your children are to you already. But imagine if every promise of God lived in that child, how precious that child would be to you, that they were the one chosen to bring forth the promise of God. So this is how wonderfully precious Isaac was to Abraham. So then God says, yep, All of my promises of provision, of blessing, of blessing the whole earth, of being a great nation, they're all wrapped up in Isaac. But I want you to take Isaac up to Mount Moriah and offer him to me there as a burnt offering sacrifice. Now, a burnt offering, if you know your Bible and from the book of Leviticus, it's right there in Leviticus 1, a burnt offering is burnt whole. It is slaughtered and then it is offered whole until nothing is left. It is offered completely, totally. Nothing is left of it. You are offering it entirely over to God to for relationship with God, to acknowledge thankfulness, to acknowledge relationship with God. So Isaac was going to be offered wholly as a burnt offering unto the Lord. And Abraham, now he'd already done some pretty crazy things for God, but he was fully committed and ready to obey God by offering his son on the altar. Okay, so pause for a second, because remember, if you know your Bible, from the beginning, even when Adam and Eve heard from the Lord what the curses were going to be on their existence, they also heard what the curse was going to be on the serpent. It's not just that the serpent went on his belly and that he was going to eat dust and dirt. It's that there was going to be enmity between the seed of the woman and the serpent. The seed of the woman was going to crush the head of the serpent. So, Abram knew that there was a promise, that there was a person that was coming that God had ordained, and that this person was going to crush the head of the serpent to restore eternal life with God to mankind who had lost it because what? You eat from the wrong tree and you die. So mankind had lost access to eternal life, but this person who was promised was going to restore access to eternal eternal life by crushing the head of the serpent and by conquering death. Now, why do we know, how do we know that Abraham knew that? Well, the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 19 says that Abram believed that God was able even to raise Isaac from the dead. Abram had such intense, focused, no-nonsense, God has said it, God's going to do it kind of faith. That's the kind of faith that Abram had. So he knew that nothing was going to stand in the way of what God had promised him. Even death could not stop the Most High God from fulfilling his promise, which he knew was through Isaac. So that's one part. The other part is that Abram probably thought 
thought that his son Isaac, this miraculous boy that God had given him, the Most High God had called him out of Ur, brought him to this land, blessed him, given these crazy victories, done these wonderful things to enter into covenant with him, shown him a foreshadowing of the judgment of the world, and now this son is being offered on the altar unto death? Well, Abram believed that God was able to bring him back from the dead. Why? Because he believed there was a seed of the woman that was going to conquer death. So Abram went up on the mountain that God had told him to go up to, and he lifted the knife with full assurance, ready to plunge the knife into the heart of Isaac. Okay, I could go on and on about that. I need to stop myself. It's just so spectacularly awesome, but I got to keep going. And we got to stay focused on God's provision or this class will go on forever. Okay, so he lifts the knife and an angel says, Abram, Abram, stop. Don't do it. So Abraham looked and he saw that God had provided a ram in the thicket for the sacrifice instead of Isaac. So Isaac, imagine this, on his way, Isaac is carrying his own wood, the wood that he himself is going to be offered as a sacrifice on. Now, who does that remind you of? Who else carried his own wood? Who else carried his own cross to his place of sacrifice? Okay, there should be some bells going off in your mind as you hear this. Well, Isaac asked, imagine the heart of Abraham, this loving father. He's like, hey, dad, Where's the lamb? You know, like we got the wood, we got the knife, we got all the stuff to offer a sacrifice, but we don't actually have the sacrifice. Uh, And what did Abram say? The Lord will provide. Okay. They get up there and eventually, I don't know what conversation they had, but Isaac had to come to grips with the fact that he was the sacrifice. So I don't know what Abraham explained to him, but Isaac willingly laid himself down on that altar of sacrifice and Abram willingly lifted the knife ready to go through with it until the angel stopped him. And then they saw that there was a ram in the thicket, and they offered the ram in place of Isaac on the altar of sacrifice. So Abram named that place Yahweh Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. And I just want to take some time here because I know we love to sing the songs, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Okay, these are great. And it's great that God is your provider. He is your provider. But let's not abuse the term. Let's understand where the term comes from and an accurate understanding of what's happening in this moment. This is the only place in the entire scripture that this word is used, and it's a compound covenant name of God using the name for Yahweh or Jehovah and also the word to see. So technically, even though it's often Uh, translated as the Lord will provide or the Lord is the provider. Technically, it means the Lord will see to it. So let's look at the scripture specifically, Genesis 22, verse 14. So Abram called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. He wasn't saying this was a name of God. He was calling the place the name of of God. He was calling the place Yahweh will provide. As it is said, this is continuing in that scripture, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. 
Okay, that does not sound to me like Jehovah Jireh, God's going to give me a Bentley. No, it do, it's not that. It's saying on the Mount of the Lord, this God had called Abram to the same mountain that Jesus, thousands of years later, was crucified on. Wow. Okay, Abram saw on this mountain It's going down. It is happening on this mountain. The seed who crushes the head of the serpent is going to happen on this mountain. God is going to provide for the sins of mankind. He's going to provide an offering of this for the sins of mankind to wipe it all out so that people can be redeemed and saved and blessed from every nation when they put their faith in the sacrifice of God on their behalf. Hallelujah. God is saying, this is the place God is going to see to it. He knew. He saw it. He understood what God was doing, and he called the name of the place the Lord will provide. Well, guess what? That's also the very same hill. It's in Jerusalem. It's where the temple is. Hello, if you go to Jerusalem, It's right there. The place where Jesus was crucified is right there in the very, very close proximity to where the temple is. It's this amazing place, and you've got to go there and experience it for yourself. But Abram, he was saying, this is the place where the sacrifice of God is going to be provided. Every promise that God has ever spoken on the mount of the Lord, the Lord will see to it. Now, you might say, well, Wendy, that sounds nice. And it seems like, you know, that's a nice concept there that you got going on, but that's purely speculation. No, actually, it's not. Jesus said, Abram saw my day and rejoiced. That is in John chapter 8, verse 56. Abram saw it. He saw it. He got it. And I believe it was in this moment, Genesis 22, he saw that on the Mount of the Lord, it was going to be provided. He saw that the Son of God was going to offer himself. The Son of God was going to carry his own wood to this very same mountain and offer himself as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. That is the best and the only provision that we need. If God has provided for atonement for our sin, for atonement so that we can be redeemed, then guess what? Eden can be restored on the earth. We can be restored to God's original design for economics, for provision, for blessing, for abundance. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, says it this way in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. So Abraham saw the day of Jesus and he rejoiced. He was like, oh yeah, it's happening. This is finished. This is awesome. He rejoiced to see that Jesus, the Son of God, was going to be offered as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. It was God's provision for mankind to be redeemed to him, to be restored to him, to even make a way for mankind to be restored to God's design for abundant 
provision for their lives. And just one quick note, we're at the end of, we're going to wrap up the life of Abraham, uh, but Abraham had other children after this. So Sarah went on, she died. Uh, Abram had a concubine named Keturah. He had sons and daughters with Keturah, and they were still living. Abram gave, he was wealthy, he gave lots of stuff to the other kids, but let's be really, really clear. The covenant of God and the blessings of God were through Abram to Isaac. They passed only to Isaac, not to Ishmael, not to any other child of Abraham, only to the son of promise. That is where the covenant of God passed to from Abram. So we now, again, have a new person, but it is one man in the whole world who has covenant with God, access to the Most High God, maker of heaven and earth, the one who is sovereign over all the resources of the earth. It's now passing from Abraham being that guy. Now Isaac is that guy. And everyone else in the world, they're either connected to Isaac or they are worshiping other gods and they are not in covenant with God at all. So just want to make that clear. Abraham, he obeyed God. He passed the test of faithfulness over many years when he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. The angel of the Lord, the messenger of God said, now I know, now I know that you believe me. Now every promise that God has promised will surely come to pass for you because you have obeyed my voice. So this covenant between God and Abraham, these promises, they exist with no other nation, with no other people. God's design is still to bless all of mankind, but he has now, through Abraham, chosen the one, the one family and the one son through whom he's going to bring that plan to pass. 